Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for the Miami Dolphins. I am, as always, Sam Marcou, and he is, as always, the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Chris Collin. Christopher Collin, how are you? Great, sir. How's it going? It is going. We've uh, we are well into training camp. We have uh, some controversy when it comes to who the backup quarterback may or may not be. We had uh, a little bit of an injury scare with Ryan Tannehill. We're seeing wide receivers uh, who were drafted late in the rounds of the draft last year stepping up. We're seeing people who were drafted early in the rounds from a couple years ago not doing anything. It is just chock full of bona fide. Miami Dolphins news, my friend. This is what we wanted. We wanted uh, football to be in full gear. It is. We're about a week away from our first preseason game against Tampa. Uh, Hard Knock starts next week. I mean, we are full-fledged into this thing. Um, yeah, exactly. A lot of stuff happening in training camp. I'm excited about the insurgents, um, resurgence. Wait, urgency? The the growth? I don't know. The um, sudden um play time by mike i'm so worried about saying his name right that uh, i'm just i'm flubbing my first sentence um mike gusicki um he dude he's just like a human highlight reel he's just unbelievable one-handed catches turning around has a gigantic catch radius ryan Tannehill has been talking uh, but nothing but good things about this kid and he's been forced into some playing time because aj hendy is um hurt or injured, bum ankle, whatever it is. But Gusecki, man, he's doing uh, well to take advantage of his his snaps. Somebody needs to give A.J. Hendy and A.J. Handy and get him back out onto the field <laughs> as quickly as possible. But, uh, yeah, we are the wordsmiths here at Perfect Vault. Man, Chris, that, that sentence was five words long and took five minutes to get out. Are you okay, sir? What are you drinking here today? No, and here's the weird thing. is Normally I am. I'm drinking water. We had football practice today. Got rained on the last two days coaching. Um, I got home not till like 8.30, 8 real quick. So I'm sober. I think that's what it is. My body's so used to talking with a buzz that um, my sobriety is flipping my brain on a switch. Yeah, that's the one thing about Chris Cullen and Sam Marcu. We do not do well when we're sober. So uh, <laughs> who knows? This might be the worst episode yet. And that's saying something because we've had some real stinkers out there, as you guys know. But the citizens of Perfectville are always the citizens of Perfectville, Chris. And uh, before we get to the coin toss and get into the show, uh, I do want to shout out some of the citizens out there because, as always, they are going on to Apple Podcasts and giving us nice five-star ratings and reviews and getting themselves eligible for their own Aronde Baxton, the Perfectville Sipsack Koozie. Uh, we've got three more, Chris. Uh, although I, I'm going to say about two and a half, and here's why. Ooh. The first one comes from Dolphin Ray, who says in the, head, in the header, Daniel Fishmonger Lives, who is uh, a former 
citizen of Perfectville who maybe moved away and has now come back and is at least renting back in the town of Perfectville. <laughs> uh, but five stars, just a really uh, short and sweet to it. Nice job, guys. Rip Tony, of course, talking about Tony Sperano from our last episode. Thank you very much, Mr. Dolphin Ray. This one comes from FWD underscore Tupac, and Tupac is spelled with a four instead of an A, so we have ourselves a nerdy gangster rap fan, I do believe. Uh, it says, five stars, awesome show, awesome people. This is by far my favorite Dolphins podcast. Always get the good news with jokes and fun, not just rambling statistics like others. Longtime Dolphins fans in Orlando, you guys need to come check out the hideaway in downtown Orlando, huge Dolphins bar. The place itself is tiny, however, but always had an amazing time there. Come catch a game with us. Well, FWD Tupac, I would love to. Um, I'm actually going to be in Orlando in February, which is going to be after uh, the season, obviously. Chris, you, you travel down to Orlando every now and then. Do you know about the hideaway? I don't know about the hideaway, but I will be there um, the first week of October. So ah. coming up not that long, uh, we'll be there during the Patriots game in week three, I believe, or week four. And then... Uh, Another game, too. I don't know the schedule right off the top of my head because I'm sober. Uh, but, yeah, Universal Studios, uh, we're staying on site and we're flying. We won't have a rental car, so I don't know if I'd be able to get to downtown Orlando. But I'd ask some friends. i got tons of friends that went to UCF, so I'll ask them if they know about the place. And for anybody who thinks that Chris Cullen and I do a lot of prep for this show, I'm going to tell you right now, this is proof that we absolutely do not speak other than when we turn on the <laughs> microphones and record this thing. That is the first time that I knew that Chris Cullen is going to be in Florida the first week of October. I'm going to be in Florida the second week of October. And uh, obviously, we have not coordinated schedules. We didn't even coordinate outfits because we're going to miss each other. We're going to have to high five each other in the air. <laughs> it sounds like a dangerous move, but uh, if we drink enough, we'll do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't see why we wouldn't try. I mean, I, definitely our pants are going to be off. There's a callback that we haven't done in a quite a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so you're going to uh, that game. I'm going to be going to the Miami Dolphins Chicago Bears game on October 14th, which is a day after my birthday. So I'm going to be flying in, I think, October 10th running around with a bunch of uh, Dolphins fans, doing a bunch of Dolphins things, doing some uh, comedy here, there, and everywhere. More on that in the near future. And then heading to the game. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be my first time at Joe Robbie, Chris. It's uh, Or, well, whatever they're calling it now. I guess it's Dolphins Stadium. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I wish I was going to a game this year. Um, going to a live home game is, is is fantastic. The atmosphere is great. Living here in Charlotte, I've had to do nothing but go to away games, and it really sucks. So um, hopefully it's it's a fun experience, A, and B, you get a victory because there's nothing better than that. Yeah, uh, I've been lucky the last two uh, Dolphins games I've been to. Actually, two of the last three Dolphins games I've been to have been victories. We did lose to the Seattle Seahawks week one a couple of years ago uh, when Kenny Stills uh, dropped the most impossibly hard catch to drop of all time so who could blame him fucker um, but uh, we beat the Los Angeles Chargers last year when I was in attendance and we beat the Los Angeles Rams a couple of years ago uh, which is actually the last time Devontae Parker played in a game as well if I'm not mistaken <laughs> so um, but before we get into the team let's stick to the citizens and the fans and this one comes from JT Guff or it might be JT Juff. I'm really just, I'm so just gun shy when it comes to G's now, just like you are with Mike Gasicki and Jif or GIF or whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if it's a soft G or a hard G, Chris, but JT GUF. I'm going to go with JT Guff. Uh, says, love listening to these guys. It's a nice combination of humor and solid football talk. Keep up the great work. Fuck the Jets forever and rip Coach Tony. Um, couldn't agree more. Fuck the Jets forever and rip Coach Tony. Absolutely. JT Juff. 
guff or guff or whatever it is. I don't know why we can't have one citizen of Perfectville named Ted or John or <laughs> Ralph or Christy or something normal. But no, everyone makes me jump through hoops with my tongue here uh, to get through all these names. But we appreciate every single one of you. So all three of you are now qualified to get yourself a Sipsack Perfectville koozie. Chris, uh, are you ready for the coin toss, my friend? I'm ready for the coin toss, and I appreciate getting a Ford from Tup 4C. <laughs> so uh, the coin, <laughs> the coin, the quarter this year, or this year, this week, this episode, is actually from the year 2000. And uh, originally, Chris, this is the second quarter I pulled out. I told you this off the air. I wasn't going to do it on the air, but screw it. This is what we do. The first quarter I pulled out of my sack O coins was a quarter from 1972. And I thought, how unbelievable unbelievably perfect is this and then i thought no one is ever going to believe this no one's ever going to believe that i just had a 1972 random ass quarter that i pulled out of a you know a money bag uh, they're going to think that this is planned that this is a plant so i decided to go back in and pull out another one and this one actually comes from the year 2000 and uh what are your thoughts when you think of the miami dolphins in the year 2000 chris what's the first thing that comes to mind First thing that comes to mind is the first year without Danny, isn't it? Like, didn't he retire in 99? He retired after the 1999 season, and this is, in fact, the first year that we had uh, a non-Dan Marino starting quarterback in a very, very long time. In mine or your lifetime. Yeah, so this was actually um, uh, Jay Fiedler. As we all know, Jay Fiedler was a starting quarterback. Do you care to know or do you remember who his backup quarterbacks were that year? Uh, I do. I remember specifically him battling... um, God, it, it wasn't Sage Rosenfels. No, no, no. You're. It uh, was. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm kind of far off. Um. God. Oh, uh, Damon Heward. It was Damon Heward as the primary backup. Do you know who the uh, third string quarterback was? Ooh. Oh my God. Um. Uh, I have no idea. It was Mike Quinn, and you shouldn't know who that was. Uh, oh, yeah, but, of yeah. course. <laughs> but those are the those are the three quarterbacks that we chose to. Uh, uh, take over for Dan Isn't Marino. The story Dan Marino was uh, fighting for and wanted Heward to get the opportunity. Uh, Damon Heward was the heir apparent. That is who Dan Marino thought should be. You know, that's who he endorsed. I don't know if that's who he thought should okay. replace him, but that's who he wanted to replace him. Uh, but then Dave Wanstead came in, who happened to be his first year as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, fourth head coach in Miami Dolphins history, and uh, he anointed Jay Fiedler as the starting quarterback, and the rest, as they say, is history. But here's the thing that's interesting about this team. Um, in 1999, the, the Miami Dolphins went 9-7 and seven with Dan Marino and Jimmy Johnson, two Hall of Famers in terms of a quarterback and a coach, respectively. The year 2000, with Jay Fiedler as the starting quarterback and Dave Wonstadt as the head coach, they went 11-5. and five. <laughs> They went 11-5. and five. They won the AFC East. And uh, not only that, but they actually beat... Uh, the Indianapolis Colts in overtime during the wild card playoff game. Uh, that, of course, was when Lamar Smith went absolutely nuts and uh, powered himself, willed the Miami Dolphins into the divisional round against the Oakland Raiders, where they lost 27 to nothing. I mean, they didn't even show up for that uh, divisional round game. But uh, it's significant, Chris, because that win, that game against the Indianapolis Colts is the last time the Miami Dolphins have won a playoff game in history, so it's been 18 years, um, oh 18 years, and ain't picked a career uh, since the Miami Dolphins have actually won a playoff game, and it was this team, the year 2000 team, that did that, that accomplished that feat. Our playoff um, win streak can officially do porn. 
Yes. Like that is ridiculous. It's 18 years since we have uh, won a playoff game, and and kudos to the fans of Miami, which I can't can and can't say anything because I was in South Florida at the time. Um, maybe my dad because he is an adult with income. I was like like 12, I think, in 2000. So, uh, but that game didn't even sell out. The Colts game. I remember having to listen to it on the fucking radio because um, they would not play local because it didn't sell out in time. A playoff game. Little. If we could only go back in time and watch our last playoff victory in 18 years, that place would impact to the gills. What's interesting about this too is if you're 18 years old and you're a Dolphins fan, you have never seen the Miami Dolphins win a playoff game. <laughs> You know, like you can be an adult. And you've only seen them go twice. Yeah, you can be an adult and have never experienced the Miami Dolphins having any sort of postseason success whatsoever. That blows my mind. I mean, that's that's an incredible, incredible streak of just nothing. You know what I mean? That's why we don't have any eighteen and uh, younger fans. <laughs> like we probably yeah. don't at all, except uh, JT to them too. Well, expect uh, <laughs> you're talking about Jess Man, who actually, yes, uh, coincidentally man. enough, we were we were joking about Jess Man maybe being 16 years old. He actually reached out to us on Facebook, which, by the way, you can like our Facebook page. Welcome to Perfectville. Uh, you can just put in keyword Perfectville into Facebook and find us. And he actually commented and said, uh, "No, I was not born in 2002. That's the year I graduated high school." He's actually um, older than me. <laughs> he's older than you. He's a longtime suffering Dolphins fan, and further. Furthermore, if you remember correctly, Chris, he's the one that lives like in the the four corners of hell between Steelers, Eagles, uh, Ravens, and Redskins fans. So this guy is a longtime, triple decade, uh, brutal sufferer, a Miami Dolphin. He is a true Dolphin. I'll, I'll give him that. So Jess, man, we apologize for thinking that you're 16 when you're actually like 32 uh, or 33, whatever you are. I don't know math. But uh, no, just to correct that right there. But you're right. Maybe that's why we don't see too many teenage Miami Dolphins because... Uh, I don't know if they exist, and I don't blame them. That's why our, our our logo is a bag over our head, because the team has been terrible for you know close to two decades. But uh, I just want to touch one more point, or maybe two more points on the 2000 team before we actually start the show, um, 10 minutes in. Um, <laughs> that Miami Dolphins team in 2000 had seven pro bowlers. Can you name seven people that were pro bowlers in the year 2000, Chris? Um, I'm going to guess the easy ones. Uh, Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor. Yep, yep. All right. Um, well, let's see. Armstrong, Trace Armstrong. Yep. Um, Tim Bowens. Nope. Okay, that's, good, that's uh, a good guess though. Um, Pat and uh, Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan. Yeah, Sam Madison. Yep. Okay. How many is that so far? Four. You got four. All right. Uh, let's see. Good lord, Tim Ruddy. Tim Ruddy actually was a pro, pro bowler. Our Mother center. fucker, I knew it. That's awesome. Uh, Lamar Smith. Nope. Who? Holy shit. Um, kind of missing two. Brock Marion. Brock Marion would be number six. You are getting really, really close, my friend. And uh, and the seventh one is one you're going to smack yourself on the head if you don't get it. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll give you a clue. He's not. He's 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 a famous pro bowler, but not for the Miami Dolphins. Hmm. Ooh. Famous pro bowler, but not for the Miami Dolphins in 2000. I'll give you another clue. He's a famous pro bowler who played for an AFC East rival for the oh. majority of his career. Was Thurman Thomas on the team? Thurman Thomas actually was on that team, but he was not a pro bowler. <laughs> if Lamar Smith wasn't a pro bowler, Thurman Thomas right, sure as right. hell wasn't a pro bowler in 2000. Um, let me give Offense you a third defense. clue. I'm going to give you a third. That's the key there. I'm going to give you the third clue. He was a roommate of another person on this list. Oh, man. Larry Izzo? Larry Izzo. 
L special to the team. Izzo, special teams ace. I got all the, seven, motherfucker. You Let's did get go. all seven. Now, you got about six and a half. I mean, I had to help you with one. but <laughs> That's true. But you did well. I mean, I would have never guessed Tim Ruddy. There's other ones, and maybe Brock Marion I wouldn't have guessed. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, god damn, what a good team. I mean, in all honesty, 11-5, yeah. and five, AFC East title. Um, seven pro bowlers. Uh, and, and honestly, Lamar Smith wasn't one of them. That just blows yeah, my mind. Yeah, the running back or a receiver or a quarterback weren't. So that just shows we are 11-5 and five with our grit, with our defense. Um, but we didn't have the guys to get us over the top in the important positions to score points. Absolutely. But here's, here's the other side of that. Here's the flip side of that coin before we get into the coin toss itself. That 2000 team had seven pro bowlers. They won 11 and five. They made it to the second round of the NFL playoffs. It's the last time the Miami Dolphins ever won a playoff game up until, you know, at least this season. Um, but here's how you know it's the beginning of the end because Dave Wanstatt was the coach. And on top of that, Dave Wanstatt was the GM. For those people that haven't followed the Dolphins for as long as Chris and I have, it used to be when Wayne Huizenga owned the team prior to Stephen Ross, the head coach was the GM. Uh, mm-hmm. There really wasn't a, a structure like you see today with the president of football operations and, and a GM. And and then a head coach and these, you know, real lines of who does what. Uh, it was always, hey, if the head coach is the head coach, he's going to be the GM as well. And Dave Wanstatt was the GM on top of being the head coach. So here's who we drafted in 2000. Here's how you know. And if you're wondering why we haven't really made the playoffs in 18 years, with the exception of a couple of years, and why we can't have sustained success and why we can't win on those rare occasions when we get into the playoffs. Here's why. Uh, do you remember who we drafted in the 2000 draft, Chris? Uh, is that when we passed on Anquan Bolden and drafted Eddie Moore? No, that was actually later. But that's kind of my point: is that this is the beginning <laughs> of the end of the Miami Dolphins being a you know proud franchise. Here's who we drafted: we drafted Todd Wade, Ben oh, Kelly, God. Dion Dyer, Arturo Freeman. <laughs> Ernest Grant and Jeff Harris, otherwise known as who in the fuck are any of these players? I mean, Todd Wade's the only one I remember because I believe he was a right tackle for a while. And I only remember him because I used to see his stupid refrigerator blockhead on Madden back when I played Madden all the time. And he was, but, but that's about it. I mean, the, the best person that we got out of this draft went undrafted, and that was Edouard Agunlier. That's it. That's the only other player that you can name out of that draft that's associated with the Miami Dolphins from 2000. And that is why the Miami Dolphins have had very little, if any, success when it comes to on-the-field performance or drafts like that, decisions like those that were made by Dave Wanstead year after year after year after year, and then follow that up with more poor decisions to put people like Cam Cameron in charge, Nick Saban in charge, all these other people, and give them too much power to the point where they can't figure out how to coach the team, GM the team, or anything else like that. But that right there, you have the, the tail end of it where you have enough talent that Don Shula and Jimmy Johnson put in place prior to Dave Wanstead, and then you have the other end of this, right? So they won 11-5 and five with all this talent, but then you see the Dave Wanstead effect of just refilling the cupboards with garbage on the back-end side, and that is why here in 2018 we're as bad as we've been. Could you imagine if uh, 11-5 and five football team with seven Pro Bowlers majority in their prime, if he were to even hit on three of those draft picks, just three, and add them to key, key positions. Oh, my God. And, and the worst part about all this is that we had all those players, and I mentioned Edouard Agunlier, who was like a multi-time pro bowler. He's a prince, that's, too, that's by the, the way. I know, but that's the one we got rid of. That's the guy we traded yeah. in. <laughs> so, so not only did we like you know happen to get one uber-talented guy out of the draft, we were like, yeah, he can go to the Bears. That's fine. 
you know, for for a, for a wide receiver that really didn't do much for us on top of that. So, I mean, it just it was it was garbage in, garbage out, and that's why we are where we are today. So, hopefully, hopefully those are the sins of the past that we've already paid for and we don't have to do it anymore. Uh, Chris, that depressed the shit out of me. I want to talk about anything else. What is your topic for the coin toss here? My topic is Ryan Tannehill because mm. this is uh, – well, we'll get into it. Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, just like that. There's all kinds of avenues we can go to. I'm going to go with the topic of uh, how big it's a game, Chris. It's a game that you and I are going to play, but that our listeners at the Citizens of Perfectville can play along with us called How Big of a Doll Fan Are You? Okay, Mm. so basically I'm going to throw scenarios at you when it's our turn, uh, and I'm going to just throw some scenarios out there, and you tell me if you would be okay with it or if you would do it or if you wouldn't do it, and we're going to test how loyal you are to the Miami Dolphins and the organization. So those are your two topics. One is just all-encompassing Ryan Tannehill. We're going to have a nice discussion about him. And then the other one is how big of a Dolphin are you? So you guys can play at home, play at home, uh, play along at home, I should say. You guys can play at home. Fuck it. You guys can play with us. That's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so we have a heads. We have a tail. It's a 2,000 quarter, Chris. I am going, getting ready to flip it. I am actually going to record myself. I'm recording myself flipping this coin because I was accused over the last couple of weeks of rigging this thing. So now we're going to have actual video evidence of me flipping this coin. Chris, I'm getting ready to flip it. You got heads. You got tails. You call it in the air. Go. Heads. He called heads after two weeks of calling tails, and I'm going to put it up right here. It is actually tails. So uh, I win. And once again, though, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I like your topics more than my topics here. So let's talk about Ryan Tannehill here in the first half of Perfectville. So uh, since it was your topic, I'm going to go ahead and let you bring it up. All right. Well, Ryan Tannehill is in the news again um, for, for two reasons. And this is the thing that gets me with this guy. Um, he's polarizing, good or bad. Um, and I think it all boils down to the fan base being completely torn 50 50 on this guy. Um, giving reporters reasons to uh, write good or bad articles to uh, point to either side of that fan base. So recently, uh, before we come on the air, there's been uh, some news on Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Jeff Darlington tweeted out a bunch of good stuff. Like, I mean, two, three, four uh, tweets worth uh, of full-on uh, praise. And not only that, but um, a, a, he feels a difference in the confidence and the – um, structure of the, what the offense is and how good he played with Gase before the injury and how much uh, Gase believes in him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. It, uh, it won't guarantee um, uh, success, of course, but uh, things are trending up. So there's good. Then you've got Rich Eisen. You've got Rich Eisen tweeting out, um, making a joke as uh, to Jeff Darlington saying, uh, uh, Darlington, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll preface with Darlington said he's going to um, – all he could do is be himself, and he's going to be himself this year. And Rich Eisen made the quirk of saying, uh, what was he trying to be prior to this, Jay Fiedler? And everybody, of course, either shit or praised it, and then we're giving stats that Fiedler never touched um, any of Ryan Tannehill's numbers. So then Britt McHenry, the uh, infamous blonde from ESPN, you may remember that uh, video surfaced of her absolutely just shitting all over a parking lot attendant because that's what you do. Um, she just, I mean, just shit all over about her degrees and how she works at a shitty job and she's ugly and, I mean, just a horrible, horrible person. Uh, had her job at ESPN for some reason. Uh, now is like some kind of political sports um 
uh, person, reporter, and she just randomly out of nowhere shits all over Ryan Tannehill and uh, says that he is not good and he's not going to be good. He's not the answer. And I'm saying this as a Dolphins fan, so I guess she's a fan of the Dolphins. Yay. Uh, we're, we're lumped in in that generalized category. Um leading to just, I mean, a shit show of attention. And it gets me, Sam, because it's one of those things where he's working hard. He's coming back from injury. Uh, I know we support him, but we're definitely not like these guys that are blindly supporting him. But then there's a whole other side that just absolutely thinks we're not going to go anywhere or win until he's gone. And it just continues with these national uh, guys feeding to it. First of all, I, uh, I'm going to give credit to Rich Eisen. If he's, in fact, the one who wrote that line, what was he trying to be? Who was he trying to be prior Jay Fiedler? That's a good line. That's something that I would say. Uh, right. And quite frankly, it's not fair. And it's not fair to Jay Fiedler because Jay Fiedler was 36-23 and 23 as the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Jay Fiedler has been probably the most unfairly shat upon Miami Dolphins uh, person in terms of player ever. The guy has a winning record. He took us to division uh, titles. He yeah, won but come the play- on. We look, were just talking about that team he was on. Look, I understand that, but here's the thing. We all he what he he had the unfortunate extremely unfortunate task of following Dan freaking Marino. Uh, you understand? Like that's who we we're always putting him up against. So if you look at him through that lens yes he was he was terrible he was garbage he had a noodle arm all of those things exist but if you take a step back and look at the success that we had in the early 2000s with Jay Fiedler and winning records and making the playoffs I would take that in a heartbeat today I mean we didn't realize how good we had it with Jay freaking Fiedler now that being said he's not the athlete that Ryan Tannehill is uh, even after Ryan Tannehill's injury Um, and it's not fair to Ryan Tannehill to put put him up against Jay Fiedler because we're talking about a completely different league but I understand I think what Rich Eisen was trying to do, other than be funny, is bring up the point that he's he's been somewhat of um, a game manager. He hasn't been anybody that anybody perceives to take over a game. He's not a Tom Brady. He's not a you know Aaron Rodgers, where he, really the entire offense runs through him. I mean, you, typically we're more successful when we're seeing a, a solid run game uh, versus versus Ryan Tannehill throwing for fifty times in a, in a game. Um, but here's the thing about Ryan Tannehill. If you're paying attention in training camp, yes, pay attention to Ryan Tannehill, but pay attention to what's going on behind him because we don't have a lot of talent behind Ryan Tannehill. So I don't care if you love Ryan Tannehill or you hate Ryan Tannehill. The facts remain that if Ryan Tannehill does not play or doesn't perform this season, we're screwed. And we're going another season without a playoff appearance or a win, obviously, uh, because the people behind them aren't playing well. I mean, it's already been shuffled. We've already seen the depth chart moved around once or twice by Adam Gase because he's frustrated as to what he's seeing uh, behind Ryan Tannehill. So I don't care what side of the fence you've been on up until now. And I mentioned this. I was a guest on the Dolphins Talk uh, podcast. I'm firmly in the camp of Ryan Tannehill. And really, the injury that he had last year, well, you know, two years ago, I guess, um, I think has has made a lot of fence sitters fall off the fence onto the side of Ryan Tannehill and being a pro uh, Ryan Tannehill, as I called him, Ryan Fanahills. Um, because we didn't realize how good we had it with him until he was gone. So 
I'm just I, here. Here's here's my call to action to every citizen of Perfectville out there. If you have hated Ryan Tannehill up until this point, get off it because there's nobody out there that's going to be better than him. Um, there isn't a quarterback that was available to us unless we were to trade up in the draft to get a rookie and start completely over. There wasn't a realistic person out there other than maybe Kirk Cousins, which again we would have had to let go of even more talent to fit him under the cap. Um, in terms of if we were just going to sign him outright, so. There isn't a better option. We're riding or dying with Ryan Tannehill this season. That's it. I mean, that's yeah, that's and, it. And that's the thing. If you truly are a fan of this team and you're a fan of the logo, um, put all your personal opinions aside on this guy, whether you love him or hate him or you're on the fence. Um, you, He's our only option right now. He's our best and only option. Um, there, I mean, even when we had Matt Moore and uh, truly – um, I like the guy off the field. Like he's fine, fine person, fine fellow. Um, but it just like he was never the answer. But there are still fans like creating this like narrative that he was going to come in and be the answer. Um, we don't even have that anymore. Brock Osweiler just threw an interception as I was talking. That's true. Um, and it's nine thirty Eastern at night. Um, they're not even practicing. I mean, he's throwing interceptions in his sleep. This, I mean, it's just not a good look behind Ryan Tannehill. So if you're a fan of the logo. Regardless of your personal opinion, like you said, Sam, get off of it. You want him to be successful because that means our team's successful. That's it, period, end of story. One of these days, I'd like to have a, a, a long conversation about Jay Fiedler like we're having about Ryan Tannehill. And here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, this is also what happened here today. Um, he was injured today in practice. I don't know if you've been following this, but I was uh, reading an article by Adam Beasley. At some point early in today's practice at training camp, Ryan Tannehill went down and he was holding his leg. And everyone, including Dolphins Brass, admitted that this was uh, like a moment where everything flew into their throat and they were getting ready to vomit. Like, oh, my God, he went down again. And it turned out what happened is he got kicked in the shin by either Kilgore or uh, Cameron Wake, depending on who actually did the kicking. Um, but it kind of brought up a point of, this is what the reality is. Ryan Tannehill is going to get knocked down. Ryan Tannehill is going to get hit again and might possibly get hit quite a bunch early in this season, Chris, because uh, I'm reading other reports. I put it on our Twitter, uh, Perfectville Pod. Um, our our offensive line coach is not happy with the starting five. He, he's happy with the individual talent. He, he likes the players, but they have not gelled to where he thinks they need to be even right now as a cohesive unit. And you're starting to see it in practice where the defensive dogs that are out there are starting to raise hell. And uh, we don't want Ryan Tannehill getting hit by our own players and they know better, but we're getting preseason games here very, very quickly, and we're going to have other defenses who do not give a shit, and they are getting paid a lot of money to do exactly that, which is to hit Ryan Tannehill as hard as they possibly can. Um, my concern is that this offensive line is not where it needs to be, and Ryan Tannehill, uh, if he gets injured, <laughs> game over. That's it. You know that, that will be the last of Ryan Tannehill in Miami. I mean, they, they will have to at that point if he gets injured for any sort of time have to look into drafting his replacement next year or getting his replacement next year. So um, a couple things. We need Ryan Tannehill to be the quarterback that he was in 2016 prior to the injury, and we need Ryan Tannehill to be that quarterback who never missed a snap due to injury uh, up until that uh, that fateful day against Arizona. So uh, I'm a little concerned about the offensive line, Chris, and how it pertains to Ryan Tannehill. Um, for all those reasons that we talked about, because there just is nothing behind him. Nothing behind him. Um, and honestly, it's just one of those things where now at this point, it's up to him. Um, he can come out. He's worked hard. He's mentally taken reps. He's gotten a taste of 
watching the game from the sideline and not being involved like he wants to be. So he's got everything there for the Hollywood story to come out and just have a comeback player of the year type season, which will be almost impossible because Carson Wentz will be doing the same thing and he's just more nationally known. However, at least to us, and, and he can prove the doubters wrong. He can prove the haters wrong. Um, it's all up to him. It's on his shoulders. No, you're right. I mean, and, and, and you're absolutely right. I think that's one of the things that's going to uh, be a bummer at the end of this year. If Ryan Tannehill does what we expect him to do and he stays healthy, uh, I think he will be in the conversation for comeback player of the year. But I do think Carson Wentz, as long as he's still upright, is probably a shoe in to win that, unfortunately. Um, but that's OK. I, I don't need him to win comeback player of the year. I need him to win playoff games and uh, yes. for us to be able to take a Rondé Bagston off of our heads and put him back on our cans and drink our glorious, glorious beers and other beverages that we put into his uh, very cardboard paper bag head. Um, what else about Ryan Tannehill? I mean, how? what are your thoughts on the first week of training camp with him? I mean, he seems to have developed a rapport with Danny Amendola. He seems to have uh, found Mike Gesicki as, lo- as often as he possibly can. I mean, he's just throwing the ball up there and saying, Mike, go get it. And Mike is saying, yes, sir, I'll go get it. Um, it is encouraging to see Ryan Tannehill on the field. It's encouraging to see Ryan Tannehill um, have that confidence. And he worked his ass off during the last 18 months to get back to, to this point, to the point where he's 30 years old, Chris, and he's not tired coming off the coming off the field. I mean, it's incredible to see what he's been able to do and accomplish just in a week of practice. Yeah, from everything I've read and seen and like highlights and videos and stuff, and he's limited the interceptions. He made a couple bad throws, but they all do. They're not perfect. Um, but he's looked better than he's looked worse. He's con- uh, commanding the offense. He's taking control. He's building rapport with the new guys. They're getting a feel for uh, you know for Wilson and what he can bring to the team. Parker's looking good. He he's mentioning the catch radius. He's mentioning Frank Gore and Drake and how good of a season they're going to have. He he's definitely taking a more vocal leadership type role, which we've talked about on our show before that he was never that guy. He was like a, just like go to work with your head down type dude. Um, and, and wasn't very vocal and rah, rah. And that's why maybe he wasn't get some of the national attention that we felt he might, um, or respect that we felt he might deserve. Uh, but he seemed to be have completely turned a corner. And a lot of that's probably becoming a dad. A lot of that's facing the injury and, um, seeing the reactions on both sides of things and, and having to really sit back and with his own thoughts and look at everything. So everything we've seen so far, I'm excited to see when preseason starts and uh, when the games start rolling and he can actually get out there and have a, have a script and have some plays against live uh, defenses. It's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be very vital that he, um, he, um, he takes off and runs when he first takes off hmm. and runs in a game and kind of slides or gets out of bounds. That's going to be one of those, like just relief things, uh, get off the back of his mind. He's got a lot of weapons and he's going to use them. He's going to utilize them. Right. And, uh, he's taking a big leadership role. So everything I've seen and read so far is, uh, inspiring. All right, real quick. What the uh, first preseason preseason game coming up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, how many plays, how many snaps do you envision Ryan Tannehill getting and how many do you want to see out of him? I would say no more than one drive, um, whether that's three and out. Uh, maybe Gay sends him out for another one. But if it goes five, six, eight plays, I think 10 is the max. And that's what I hope they stay under, just to kind of get his feet wet a little bit, go live. Tampa's got a really good defensive line and, and good linebacker. So uh, no reason to feed him to the dogs his first game back. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's not going to be any more than two series max, regardless if it goes three and out on both of them or not. Uh, I think you'll you'll see five to six plays out of Ryan Tannehill. I don't think you'll see any more than ten. I would like to see him go like the entire game because it's been forever since I've seen him. Uh, but realistically, I, I think you're probably looking at five to six plays. And I would imagine at least half of those are going to be him turning around and saying, here you go, running back, go do whatever it is you got to do. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll probably see one, two, maybe three passes, and then he's going to go off to the sidelines. He might get a little bit more work in the second game, I would imagine, just because it has been such a long layoff that he probably just needs to get hit a couple of times. You know what I mean? Like he just needs to kind of feel it and get back down. Obviously, the third game, um, he'll play as long as they need him to play, usually that first half. Uh, but I think you'll start to see him work more in the second game rather than the first. Uh, I think just getting his feet wet, getting kind of getting him back on the the playing surface against actual competition um, is, is is probably going to be that uh, you know that that normal preseason first game. Um, anything else you want to talk about with Ryan Tannehill here, Chris? No, no, we'll leave it at that. It'll be nice though if what you uh, predict is true because I'll actually be at that second game. It's against the Panthers here in Charlotte. No, well, there you go. So I'm hoping right now, I know that Adam Gase is an avid listener of this show. Adam, you heard it from me. I'm your friend. I am your confidant. I am your your only person in the media that you like. Do it for Chris. Put Ryan Tannehill in for the entire game, preseason game two. Just do it. All right, coming on up defense on, too and receiver. Just yeah, let him let him throw the ball to himself like he's Mister Perfect back in the old WWF days where he'd throw the ball to himself and catch it, and then let him tackle himself because he'll know not to tackle himself in the knee. I agree with this plan. This is a very good plan, and we should be involved. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to throw out to the Miami Dolphins organization. This is what um, I think the fans want. This is what uh, the Miami Dolphins need. And if you want to be more fan fan friendly when it comes to being um, just better with the fans. The Miami Dolphins right now have a massive, massive podcast uh, network, right? You've got ourselves. You've got Travis Wingfield out there. You've got Dolphins Talk. You've got Fins Up, Fans Down. You've got Third and Inches. You've got um, or Fourth and Inches, whatever, I, I, Three and Out, or I, all these people that are out there. That's my point is there's a ton of podcasters that are out there. I have maintained for a long time, Chris, that the podcasters of the Miami Dolphins know more about this team than the beat writers, know more about this team than the uh, terrestrial radio sports talking heads that are out there. The Miami Dolphins fans are more passionate about this team than, quite frankly, most of the Miami Dolphins players, right? We follow this team. We pay money to follow this team with tickets, uh, swag, uh, shirts, hats, you name it. We're actually out there paying money to support this team. So it makes sense as to why we're so passionate about it. In the preseason, there should be at least, at least one quarter of every game that they dedicate to um, members of the new media, right? Bloggers podcasters, et cetera, et cetera, to call the game play by play and color commentary. They should be, we should be able to go in as an alternate commentary, right? You can still click on and listen to whoever it is you need to listen to normally Dick Stockton or whoever, but there should be an alternate, maybe online version for podcasters to actually broadcast the game in terms Mm. of calling the plays i would love to have one of the games let's just call it the charlotte the the, i almost called it i almost called it the charlotte colon game uh the charlotte (laughs) panthers game um where you and i would sit in the booth and we would call the game or at least a quarter of the action through our lens through how we see the game i think that would be an awesome idea and something that nobody else is doing do it miami dolphins i'm calling on you guys right now let your podcasters let your fan base call the game in an official capacity and i guarantee you it would be a it would be a hit what do you think about that chris 
That would be fantastic. It'd be really cool to, like you said, it's alternate. They don't have to um, listen to it. It's not like we're forced on the CBS four or something like that. Um, put it on your website only. Maybe tweet it out. Tweet out the link, um, and then yeah, have that available. Have us be able to shoot the shit. Obviously, we'd keep it G rated, Miami Dolphins, and um, yeah, that would be <laughs> be really cool to be able to do that and just kind of do our own. Because every one of these podcasts are different. The you know the formatting, everything's different. Um, I think it would be cool. To to see because um i think we'd realize how much how much of fans we all are because you would hear the fan come out of us i know i wouldn't be able to do it without sounding biased or um uh, getting loud but and, that's the and thing. excited you, that's, you could that's be cool. biased you'd be working for the miami dolphins you'd be the miami dolphins podcaster broadcaster so plus you could we be can as biased get, as you want plus we can get drunk and do it because they've been letting bob greasy do it wasted like for 10 years we wouldn't even have to get our own drinks we could just wring out whatever he spills onto <laughs> his sports jacket into our own cups and we would have a, you know a, a handle of whiskey between the two of us it would be totally fine it would cut down on goss absolutely which by the way if we're going to make this pitch though you, you can't use the word shit in the middle of telling them that you know you're going to be clean uh that's going to kind of defeat the purpose but but uh no i man i'm, I'm all for it I, I don't know how we get the word out to uh the miami dolphins but this is a, an idea i've had since last year and it's something that i want and uh really it doesn't belong on this podcast but that's okay it's uh the podcast can be whatever it is we want it to be that's the beauty of our podcast we own the damn thing um speaking of which uh since we own it we're getting ready to take a break go get our orange slices as chris uh mentioned a couple of weeks ago and it's time for halftime when we come back we're going to test chris collins Dolphandom? I don't even know what the right word is. We're going to test Chris Collins' dedication to the Miami Dolphins, and you guys can test yourselves at home as well. Uh, coming up after halftime in the second half. What's up, citizens of Perfectville? It is Sam here to talk about Amazon.com by way of welcome to Perfectville.com. It's time to do all that back-to-school shopping. It's time to get the cool new jerseys for the football season. Time to do all of that fun stuff. But why do it at a store? You're going to have yelling kids everywhere. You're going to have smelly people in front of you, gross people behind you, checkers who don't care whether you live or die. That's right. They don't care if you live or die. Why deal with the human condition when you can do all of that shopping and more at Amazon.com by going to WelcomeToPerfectville.com? Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just click on the Amazon.com banner when you go to our website, and it'll take you directly to Amazon.com where you can do all of your regular shopping. No hidden fees, no extra charges, but since you went to Amazon.com by clicking the link on our website first, it helps your favorite podcast continue to go. So there is no downside, ladies and gentlemen. Just click the link at WelcomeToPerfectville.com to go to Amazon.com and do all of your shopping. All of it. Literally all of it. Food, clothes, utensils, zombie apocalypse, bug out bag, any of it. All of it. Amazon.com. WelcomeToPerfectville.com. Seriously, I don't even know why you're still listening to this commercial. Go to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com link, do all of your shopping, no hidden fees, no extra charges, and when you're done with that, come back and listen to the second half of Perfectville, which is happening right now. And welcome back. It is the second half kickoff here on Perfectville. And Chris, we talked a lot about Ryan Tannehill in the first half of this uh of this episode, we called them Fanahills, the people that are fans of Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we talked about the 2000 team and how I am a, a post fan of Jay Fiedler. I wasn't a fan of him during uh, his tenure here with the Miami Dolphins, but when I look back at uh, everything that he was able to accomplish, I look back with a fond, fond eye. 
Um, so speaking of all this fandom, I want to test your fandom, and I want to test the citizens of Perfectville's fandom, because we all say we're diehard Miami Dolphins fans, but I wonder how truly diehard we really are. So I figured I'd put a couple scenarios together, throw them at you, and see where you land on the Dolphins spectrum when it, with regards to your diehardedness. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. All right. And if you guys have some at home that you want to play or, you know, uh, send to us, you can email us perfectvillepodcast at gmail.com. If we get good scenarios down the road, uh, maybe we'll bring this back and actually read them on the air and discuss. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at perfectvillepod, Instagram, perfectvillepodcast, and like our Facebook page, perfectvillepodcast. Uh, you get exclusive content on there. I mean, some of the times I record myself during this podcast recording and I put those out ahead of time or stuff that doesn't actually make the final edit of Perfectville could show up on there. So uh, if you're on Facebook, like us and, and get that additional content. All right, Chris. So here's uh, here's kind of where we're going with this. You are a Dolphins fan, right? You've been a Dolphins fan your entire life. Entire life. Do you have any tattoos whatsoever on your body? I have two tattoos. So you are not opposed to getting ink permanently tattooed on your body. Would you, as a Dolphins fan, go out and get a tattoo of, say, Dan Marino on your shoulder or somewhere visible that people could see it every day of your life? Are you that big of a Dolphins fan? Like his face or can I do like the number 13 in orange and aqua? No, this would be his face. Absolutely not. <laughs> you would So you would not just willingly go out and get a picture of Dan Marino where people might mistake him for David Hasselhoff on your person. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, that, and it's one of those things where, um, Sam, I think you kind of, this is for, this is for a whole nother episode. And now I'm glad I thought of it. This is something we can talk about at a later time and get the, um, citizens of perfect bills opinion on it but i don't even like wearing like other guys jerseys um you know it's like i'll, I'll wear a dolphin's jersey with my name on it and and number but the older i get it's just uh they're younger than me now so it's weird and i don't know i, I mean i still do i still have like a zach thomas jersey and stuff but dan marino i remember like maybe two or three full seasons of watching him play i was a young kid when he when he played so getting his actual face and body on my body permanently is a no-go okay so at least you would not go out and pay if somebody paid for the tattoo of dan marino's face to be on your bicep would you then <laughs> no, no no it's not monetarily uh bullshit uh, no. bullshit okay <laughs> so we know that you wouldn't pay to get it and we know that you couldn't just if you got it for free if somebody paid you three hundred dollars to go get dan marino's face tattooed on your bicep would you do it <laughs> like the, the inner bicep of just dan marino's face uh, out, outer bicep so when you're out uh, playing frisbee on the beach or whatever it is you do over there uh people <laughs> can see on the yeah. beach hey man it's underrated <laughs> it's underrated i love it oh man um i actually really like frisbee um yeah. so yeah um on the outside no a because i already have tattoos there so i'd have to cover them you know what? i would cover up the one i have in my left bicep i don't like it anymore got it in college drunk <laughs> i would do it for 300 bucks. 300 okay so 300 dollars is the price tag if you somebody be wants, wearing isotoners though do you guys understand this this is what we need we need somebody to pay us on paypal 300 dollars so that chris cullen can go get a dan marino tattoo on his bicep you you understand what you just signed yourself up for chris Oh man, I can imagine some of the faces. It's gonna, it's got to be his face with the afro from Pitt, or yes. like his rookie year too. Yes, or or at least, at least do a full body, like all the way down the forearm with the zoo yeah. pants and the isotoners <laughs> Absolutely and everything. Yeah. Not. yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's more of a five hundred dollar charge, I believe. Okay, so we kind of know, and I'm with you. And by the way, three hundred dollars, absolutely not. I'm not getting Dan Marino. That motherfucker never won one Super Bowl for yeah, us. It, it, <laughs> 
<laughs> I am not... You just turned into a Jets fan with uh, yeah. the shit they always say. He didn't win a Super Bowl for. Yeah, you're right. It had to be closer to five hundred, closer to a thousand dollars for me to even really sit, seriously consider that. You know what I'd get for three hundred dollars when it comes to Dan Marino? I'd get a I'd get a tattoo of an Achilles tendon that's cut in half and it just says "ow" on it. That's what I would get for three hundred dollars when it comes to Dan Marino. I'm mad at him. I would get a Jay Fiedler tattoo before a Dan Marino tattoo. I, oh, by the fuck way, you wouldn't. <laughs> by the way, they might have the same hair, which is weird. It seems like when Dan Marino left, he took off the afro and you know kind of gave it to Jay Fiedler and said, "It's all yours now." Um, it's like when you're the king of the Westeros, like you just sit in the throne made of swords. Like you just take the quarterback helmet and it comes with the same haircut. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so we know we know where you stand with the tattoo. That makes sense. Here, here's a good one. Here, let's just say, um, shocker here. Let's just say that you were drinking way too much and uh, you decided in August to put a bet down uh, that would pay you call it $500,000, okay, um, if a certain NFC team were to win the Super Bowl. And let's just say it's the foul. Let's just say it's the Panthers for this for this argument. <laughs> it's the Carolina Panthers. You got drunk and you bet a bet that would pay you half a million dollars if the Carolina Panthers win the Super Bowl that year. And it so happens that that year is the year that the Miami Dolphins make the Super Bowl for the AFC. Who are you rooting for? In that scenario, are you rooting for the Dolphins, the team that you are a diehard for, that you now have a Dan Marino tattoo on your bicep for? Or are you rooting for the team that you hate the most outside of the AFC East, the Carolina Panthers, to win? Yeah, this is a good one, but I'd immediately hedge my bet and put $100,000 on the Dolphins to win no, the Super Bowl. absolutely yeah, not the absolutely. scenario. That's not in the scenario? Oh, my God. Well, let me just say that so there's not somebody like, just hedge the bet and bet money. Okay. I'd, I'd, in this scenario, in real life, I'd bet $100,000. As soon as we won the AFC Championship game, $100,000 on the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. So either way, I'm getting paid out. If Dolphins lose, I technically come out net 400000 because I have to pay back the $100,000 bet. Uh, from the five hundred, I just won. But in that scenario, if I can't do that, um, I'm absolutely rooting for the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl. I don't give a shit about a half a million dollars. I have, wow. I, I don't. I, I'm 31 years old. Um, life's okay. I'm not a millionaire. I own a small little home. My wife and son and I are doing just fine. We go on vacation every year. That wouldn't change my life. Five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it would. It set me up better for retirement stuff. But for the feeling to win a soup, my grandfather passed away in his 60s and never saw the Eagles win a Super Bowl. They just won last year. He's been passed for a few years. I don't know what I would do or how I would feel if I can go an entire lifetime and not know what that feels like. I know what it feels like for the Heat to win, the Marlins, the Hurricanes. Um, I just I've never even seen us in a Super Bowl, let alone win one. And I enjoy the shit out of Super Bowl week every every year. It's fun for me. Like I, I take off the Monday after the Super Bowl Sunday. I make it a game for like you know a chart with best commercials and who's going to be the MVP. And I have everybody at my house partake in this game. Like it just is a big deal for me. And my team's never even in it. I couldn't imagine uh, the Miami Dolphins in Super Bowl. Like I, like really. Like seriously, I'm like emotional about it. Just like thinking about it, like for real. Um, it is a huge bucket list thing for me. So, half a million dollars is not enough. I wow. would, I, I would rather not win that money. 
I'd be wearing a Cam Newton jersey and walking <laughs> around with silver and black paint all over Just my like face. Just like every other Panther fan or so-called fan of Charlotte. I would, be a, I would be a Panthers fan if they won me $500,000. You best believe I'd be walking around in a Kevin Green jersey from 1998. Um, five, okay, so 500000 you're still rooting for the Miami Dolphins, and you can't hedge your bet. What about a million? Cold million dollars mm-hmm. Panthers win versus the Dolphins. Got a million dollars, man. That would set up Zachary for college. Um yeah. Oh, God, I pay off my house and still have money left over. Do I have to pay taxes on the winnings? I, I mean, I don't want to get that much into that. Is, is that the deal breaker? You have to pay taxes on your betting? All right, fine. Let's just say I have to pay taxes enough to where I still walk away with a net $1 million. Yeah. Um, good Lord, a million, man. Um, I work in banking. I'd be able to invest uh, hopefully properly, a little bit aggressive, a little bit not. And set myself up. I wouldn't be. I don't. You know. I wouldn't be able to retire. I'd still have to go to work every day. Um, so no, go Dolphins. Wow. So what about? Let's double that. That's two million. You you clear two million after everything, after all expenses, taxes, everything. Two million to watch the Panthers beat the Miami Dolphins in a in a nail biter in the Super Bowl. And let's just okay. So and it's the only opportunity for the Dolphins to be in the Super Bowl. Let's just throw that on there too. Wait. So that means they'll never go again in my lifetime. Exactly. Yeah, no, there's not enough. There's not enough money. If that's a chance, like if if me taking the money triggers them to lose, you know, I couldn't do it. Uh, th- yeah, there's no way. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I must have a heart attack watching the games, like for random September games that don't me- really mean anything yet. Um, yeah, no, I-, I don't think unless it's enough money to where my wife and I don't have to work ever again. Um, and I can like move to Miami and like enjoy going to the games and like do- having hobbies and. I don't. I don't really think I could do it. I, I don't know. Like I, that's ridiculous. That's hard. I, I think. I think. I think my breaking point's two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand. I'm probably rooting for the other team because at least I can go. Hey, at least I won money on it. But I, I, I respect your position. I think if somebody dangles a million dollars in front of me, man, I am. I am stepping on that dolphin and calling it fish. Um, <laughs> all right, here, here's Please call one. it a mammal. God damn, I hate when they call it a fish. Yeah. So here, here's another one because you'd mentioned the Miami Heat. You mentioned the Marlins. You mentioned uh, your other teams, right? So let's just say, are you that big of a fan where if you could trade, let's just say the Miami Dolphins win one Super Bowl in your lifetime, but in return, all your other professional sports teams and college sports teams never win another game. Like the Heat just go 0-82, the Miami Marlins go 0-162, which isn't that far removed from what could actually happen. Um, I don't even know if you watch hockey, um, but your your Miami Hurricanes never win another football game. They never win another baseball game. They never win another basketball game. They all just go 0-forever, 0-for-forever, because the Miami Dolphins win one Super Bowl. Are you willing to sell out all your other sports allegiances for one Miami Dolphins? Super Bowl. So, so the past achievements don't go away. Like I still got to enjoy the Heat victories, yeah. Marlin yeah. victories. A hundred percent, I would trade them. Yeah, <laughs> they can go over the rest of my life, and I don't care. Like I said, I've seen them, so I can still watch them play and lose, and I'll know they're lo- losing. But um, God, that'd be just <laughs> fucking horrible. Though, like Louisiana State is like beating Miami Hurricanes in like week one of college football season. Um, yeah, but a hundred percent, I just need to see it. I need to enjoy that and know what that's like i'm i would be going to miami for the parade i it would just be uh one of the best feelings of my life in fact sam this is funny i i I could mention it and i want the fans to kind of talk about this too um i'm almost scared or nervous 
for the Dolphins to ever win the Super Bowl because I hope it wouldn't change how much I enjoy watching the games every season. Like I hope like I don't I could imagine being a Patriots fan where like I know I'm going to win 11 games every year. You know, it, it just like is it still fun? Is it still great to dominate? Like I of course it is. I know hypothetically if it is. Um, but I could I mean, I just don't know if it would win and would be like, oh, I guess next season. Like, would we still be like just as pumped because we're the defending champs? Would we st- still feel like the underdog? I've, there's some, there's like a f- literal fear in the back of my mind of uh, what that would change, if anything, uh, of my fandom and fanhood if we were successful and won a Super Bowl. I can only pull from my own recent memory um, uh, of watching my Los Angeles Kings win their first Stanley Cup ever. And uh, I was never that obnoxious fan that was like, oh, yes, you know, uh, my team's the best because they won it once. I was walking around with a, a, a crown and a scepter and a cape. Like I was an actual king when the Los Angeles Kings won the Stanley Cup against the New Jersey Devils all those many years ago. And uh, I think if the Miami Dolphins were to win one Super Bowl, I would be my obnoxious level would be to the point where other Dolphins fans would probably want to punch me in the face. Like they would just be like, that is too much. You need to knock it off. Act like you've been there before, even though we, I had never seen them there before. Uh, I would walk around about our winning tradition. I would talk about, you know, I would just be making up so much bullshit. I, I just, I want to see it once. And I'm with you. I've seen all my other teams. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm an LA Kings fan. I've seen them win uh, World Series, Stanley Cups, NBA championships. I've never seen the Miami Dolphins even in a Super Bowl. Um, I've seen them in AFC championship games and lose, which was heartbreaking, but I've never seen them in an actual Super Bowl, let alone win it. I would try trade the rest of my team's uh, winning for the rest of my being for the Miami Dolphins to win one Super Bowl. I'm with you. I, I go with that. So let's just let's just review these scenarios real quick here, Chris. Um, you would you would completely sell out the rest of your professional and college sports teams for one Miami Dolphins Super Bowl. You would walk away from a million dollars to watch the Miami Dolphins lose in a Super Bowl. And uh, it would take you three hundred dollars to get Dan Marino's stupid face tattooed on your arm. Uh, three hundred. Remember, we called it closer to a thousand. I don't want somebody. Some we have, we're gonna have one fan that's some hedge broker, and he's gonna be like, "Oh, three hundred dollars? It's nothing. I'm gonna see this asshole do it." Uh, so at least a thousand. That way, I can you know take it on vacation with me. Three hundred would be like a henna tattoo that would go away after a couple of weeks. I think. <laughs> yeah. You know? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Well, that's where we stand. That's you know that's a pretty good dolphin right there. I mean, I, I'm not walking away from a million dollars. So I commend you. Uh, for doing that such thing but uh, that's the game if you guys have other scenarios let us know we'll throw them out there from time to time and uh, just discuss it and figure out where we are on the Dolphin spectrum I think I think right now Chris Cullen is a better Dolphin than I am I think that's uh, what I'm noticing which is probably why you're a two-time Hall of Famer and I am a, a no-time Hall of Famer Chris um, thanks for recognizing that I appreciate it I recognize and I also recognize that it is time for the Dolphail of the week the greatest Dolphails in Miami history whatever I've named it I don't remember um Dallas this one, Thomas something. Yeah, this really is just a, a, a change of the, you know, it used to be the Dallas Thomas Award. And I just kind of repackaged it uh, <laughs> into a new one. But uh, don't don't tell everyone that, Chris. God damn it. Don't tell them how the sausage is made. Um, 
All right, so here here is the doll fail. It's, it's actually one of the most famous. It's almost a heartwarming doll fail here, Chris, and that's because this goes back to the 1972 perfect season. The whole reason why we're called Perfectville is because of the 1972 team. And as I mentioned at the top of the show during the coin toss, the coin that I actually pulled out of my coin sack uh, was uh, a 1972 quarter. So it's appropriate that uh, we would look, take a look at this season and see the greatest one of the greatest doll fails ever. And you have to wonder. What could possibly be a failure in a perfect season? And uh, it actually came at the last game of the season, the Super Bowl itself, Super Bowl Seven against the Washington Redskins. And I know that there's some old timers listening to this right now already shaking their head, knowing exactly where I'm going. And that is Garo Upremian, the kicker, the weirdo, uh, who almost single-handedly gave the perfect season away with one play. And, of course, we're talking about late in the game. The Miami Dolphins are up 14 to nothing against the Washington Redskins. They have no offense to speak of. The Miami Dolphins' defense is just shutting them down, and we're playing the type of Miami Dolphins football that they played at that era when all of a sudden the Miami Dolphins got cute, Chris. They decided to uh, think that it would be appropriate to kick a field goal and go 17-0, and when they would actually win the game 17 to nothing, right? That was the whole genesis of kicking this field goal. Well, when you start getting that cute, bad things happen, and here's what happened. He always has his other little guy, Garrow. All right, here's your premium on for a 42-yard field goal attempt. Earl Morrowville holding. And this kick is blocked. Your premium has it. (laughs) Throws a pass up with the ball. It's Mike Bass. He's running away for a touchdown. Mike Bass scores. What a kooky play that was. Gary Yepremian lost his head and tried to throw a pass. It went in the hands of Mike Bass. He scores. If they kick the point now, the Redskins, with 2.07 to go, are behind by seven. I thought we saw it all when we saw Franco Harris. Watch this it here might now. be it all, though. kick looked like Factor in there 29 here's your premium and just lie he lost the ball out of his hands and it flops into the hands of Mike Bass who made a good run here down the sideline he outran your premium easily and he scores and now it's 14 to 6 Miami Luckily, Chris, the rest of the team decided that they were not going to follow Garrow's lead there and uh, won the game and of course the rest as they say is history but uh Unbelievable. Can you imagine being a Miami Dolphins fan in 1972? <laughs> They're going undefeated. They're going to go 17-0 and in the Super Bowl to go 17-0. and And all of a sudden, this jack-off uh, decides that instead of kicking the ball you know, out of bounds or just falling on it or anything other than what he does, uh, decides to try to play quarterback hero, bounces it off the actual quarterback's helmet into the hands of a defender who then runs it in for a touchdown. I mean, w- w- one of the weirdest plays in the history of the NFL. It's one of the weirdest plays in the history of the NFL. And, of course, every time it's played, and it's played annually, um, you just get reminded, of course, that he, it's a dolphin because you see his jersey and his helmet. Um, and, and it just doesn't help that the kicker's name is weird and he looks like every AV club teacher, actor in every 80s movie or sitcom in history. Um, like a, literally could play a young Mr. Burns in a real-life movie. Um, so of course he's the kicker and of course that happens. Um, I mean, honestly, besides the Coke bottle glasses that Bob Greasy wore in his 
fucking helmet. Um, it was, it's just the most painstakingly hilarious thing uh, that happened to that team in 1972. Uh, yeah, Garrow looks like that uncle that your mom just refuses to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, uncle like, that you don't leave your kids alone with. Yeah, like what? <laughs> whatever happened to your brother, Uncle Garrow? Let's not talk about him. He joined the circus, and then you know he doesn't doesn't really say anything else about him. And by the way, those are whiskey bottle glasses, not Coke bottle glasses. When it comes to Bob Greasy. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Bob Greasy, he is a slippery fuck, and it is time for the slipperiest of slippery fucks, and that, of course, is three and out. Chris, what do you got for first down? Sam Darnold um, just signed his contract with the Jets, Sam. Um, he is the Jets' future. He fell into their lap in the draft pick. Um, in the draft here, he is now at camp. My thing is, Josh McCown came out and said, and I quote, I'm excited for him to sign his contract to get him out here to compete. Bullshit or not bullshit? No, it's. Uh, I think that's that's Josh McCown trying to be the big bro veteran. That's Josh McCown trying to um, position himself as the starter. Quite frankly, like that, like there's an option for him to be the starter. Here, here's the thing about Sam Darnold: um, that contract is fully guaranteed. Yeah, And if you go back and listen to the draft special that we had that we called the drafter math, I mentioned that I didn't think Sam Darnold looked very happy to be a Jet. I think he looked um, Mm -hmm. stunned. I think he looked like he did not want to play for the New York Jets and for good reason. And one of the reasons I noted that is he has a tell and his tell was that he kept saying everything was amazing. He's like, the Jets are amazing. I feel amazing. This is amazing. And it was like he was trying to convince himself that this is a good thing that he's going to the New Jersey Jets. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very telling that the entire contract is guaranteed um and that's what the whole that was he's like look if i'm gonna play for you you're gonna pay me every single freaking <laughs> penny on this contract i don't want you to cut me i don't want you to t- renegotiate this entire thing is is guaranteed cool and they finally said cool and here he is so i don't think it's bullshit i think it's it's actually josh mccown uh whipping out his dick and saying um this is my yard for now and uh, trying to position himself as the starter when, quite frankly, when you have a rookie quarterback that you draft high in the first round and then guarantee $30-plus million worth of money to, he's going to be the starter. It's just Josh McCown posturing as much as he possibly can, in my opinion. Yeah, Josh McCown, uh, literally, I saw him in a Buffalo Wild Wings in Matthews, North Carolina, and he looks just like Josh McCown in any other footage of him ever and not one person came up to him. So uh, Sam Darnold's the future of that team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, there you go. Second down. Speaking of this draft, speaking of holdouts, speaking of rookies, Roquan Smith of the Chicago Bears went number eight overall. He was a guy that you and I, Chris, pegged as somebody that we wanted on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, now that Sam Darnold has actually signed his contract for all that guaranteed money to uh, suffer being a Jet for the next four or five years of his life, Roquan Smith remains the final holdout of the first round draft picks. Um, He has not signed his contract. And over a reason, Chris, that is kind of interesting. He wants guarantees from the Chicago Bears that with these new helmet rules, if he were to get suspended for violating these new rules, that they will not take any of his bonus money back. They won't seek any, you know, essentially damages if he gets suspended because of these new rules. Um, Very interesting reason to hold out. It's it's essentially over money. uh, But essentially what Roquan Smith is asking Asking permission to do is break the rules, Chris. Um, what are your thoughts on Roquan Smith right now? Yeah, this is such an interesting thing, and it's um, it's really groundbreaking when it comes to this rule because it is new this year. Um, and he knows full hand how he plays the game, and that if this rule is enforced like they say it's going to be, 
he's going to get some penalties and there's a chance that he's going to get some fines and there's a chance he might get a suspension. Um, it's really odd to me, though, because like you said, he's admitting that he's going to break rules and he wants the team to um, still pay him for it. And he's yeah. admitting it up front. That'd be like, hey, you know, we randomly drug test people here at the office. So, um, you know, don't smoke pot. And it's like, oh, OK, well, before I start working here, um, I want to smoke some pot. So if I fail those tests, uh, you can't fire me. Can we put that in the contract? And it's like, wait, hold on. That's not that's the rules. Um, so it, it's very odd. And I get why the NFL is doing it because, uh, you know, I coach and they, they send us all these trainings and stuff. And we have to teach them to put their head to the side with their face mask up to protect from concussions. But when you're out there playing and the game's moving fast, there's guys that are conditioned to just aim and use their head almost as a weapon and jar it into the ball or uh, get low. And it's going to be a thing where offense and defensive players are going to both get penalties for it. And it's going to be interesting. An interesting year in the league. I think a lot of people will be up in arms about it. And I just find it hilarious. I wrote one Smith's like, I'm going to do it. So I don't want to lose my money. Yeah, I mean, I, I applaud him at least asking, but it reminds me of when your child goes, look, I got to tell you something, but you got to promise not to get mad. I'm like, well, no, I'm not promising that because I don't know what you're about what, to tell me. I don't me. know what it is yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and why are you holding that knife behind your back? You know, it's it's like, I don't know what to make of this. If I'm the Bears, I'm kind of like, no, these are the rules. And if you break the rules, then there's going to be penalties. So uh, that's why he remains uh, the last holdout of the first round, I guess. But uh, that's what we got on second down. What do you got for third down? Well, on third down, this is actually – it will end on a funny note, Sam, but uh, D'Angelo Hall announces retirement today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Is this, a, is this a repeat from three years? I thought he was retired like five years ago. D'Angelo nope. Hall. Nope. Yep, he retired. I guess he announces retirement officially. Um the Hall of Fame doesn't probably have a bust reserved for him despite his 14 <laughs> seasons, three Pro Bowls, and 43 interceptions, five return for touchdowns. During his press conference, he said, and I quote, if I'd played against Jay Cutler more, I'd be in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know what? I take back all the mean things I was just laughing about. That's a funny line. Uh, the other thing that he was heard saying at his, at his press conference is, where is everyone? Um, yeah. Why am I doing this from my bathroom? Uh, yeah. In related news, Angelina Jolie, I'm not going to date you. I mean, what kind of uh, – D'Angelo <laughs> Hall announcing his retirement, That they kind of announced that for you a couple of years ago when they stopped playing you or signing you or letting you even come to practice, dude. Like, thank you for, for I guess, making it official. But, oh, boy. But that is a good line. That is a funny line uh, about Jay Cutler. That'd be like Tim Ruddy right now announcing his retirement. <laughs> yeah, Tim Ruddy just all of a sudden, hey, just so you know, I'm uh, I'm done. I'm done hey playing. guys, um, I'm just not going to play next year. Thanks. Have a, it was a good, it was a good career. Thanks. Oh, well, there you go. That is a funny note to end on. So that is uh, third down. There you had it. We are time to punt. Uh, Chris, anything else? This has been a long, outstanding episode of Perfect Bell. Just a tremendous trip to the town. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? That's it. Next time we talk, we'll be literally hours or days from our first preseason game. I am so giddy that I could shit out of my dick. And uh, with that visual in everybody's minds, uh, this is Perfectville. And since we're done with the show, there's only one last thing to say. And that, of course, is goodbye from Perfectville. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.